The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, April 4th, and at this hour, New York City's luxury apartment market isn't the only sector of real estate experiencing a cooldown as more and more Manhattan townhouses spend extended periods of time on the market, it has become obvious that the once overzealous market for pricey homes has also taken a back seat. We have a townhouse expert here today to discuss. Also at this hour, the Chinese government has been gearing up for a major crackdown on foreign investment in January. Those worries became reality. Top execs from our industry are here to discuss. I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. I am your host, Vince Rocco. And if you want to call into the program today, the number is 1-866-472-5788. That is 1-866-472-5788. And today marks our third anniversary here on Voice America. Good Morning New York is proud to be part of this network. And I say thank you to all of my friends and staff at Voice America and all of my listeners around the world and here at home. It's been a wonderful three-year run, and hopefully we can continue. So let's get on with our experts. Jeff Appel is here today. He is a record-setting sales professional and industry-leading executive who is widely recognized as a singular figure in New York City real estate. As an industry expert, consultant, and spokesperson, Jeff continues to share his knowledge to create strategies for success with the real estate elite of New York, and he is one of our favorite guests here on Good Morning New York. Uh, we have Doug Headings. He's Executive Vice President of Sales. He's responsible for overseeing and growing sales and business development for CORE's resale division. Doug's role includes recruiting, agent support, as well as meeting company sales goals and projections. He is a 23-year veteran and a top producer in New York City real estate as well. So good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good morning. We're great. Thanks. Happy anniversary, Vince. Yeah, Thank happy you. anniversary. It's good to have you guys. So let's get right to it. Harry Macklow, everybody knows Harry Macklow, remains optimistic about New York City's ultra-luxury market, though he admits the appetite for super-pricey pads is now much more limited. Speaking to Bloomberg News last week, Macklow said, waning demand means there should be less development geared towards the very top end of the market. He said apartments at very high price points will uh, will still sell but it will be at a slower rate than like uh, places like 432 Park Avenue or Extel Developments 157. He went on to say, the development community knows how to protect itself, and it should be able to price itself intelligently enough so it is able to meet the peaks and the valleys of the market. There will be fewer buildings aimed at luxury buyers, according to Macklow, but he does not think ultra-pricey places coming online are in trouble. So that's a big mouthful. What are your thoughts on his comments. Well, uh, my first thought is Harry Macklow owns a lot of luxury real estate, so I think that that's an appropriate statement for him to make. Uh, you know, what I would say in general is, uh, look, the idea that developers uh, are smart enough to withstand any market cycle is, of course, it's nonsense. It's uh, Developers are often at the wrong end of the market. Uh, the fact is there's a lot of uh, inventory that is sitting unsold. It will be, I'm sure, absorbed over time. But really underneath all of this is the cost of land and the cost to build in New York. So uh, there's nothing else you can build at, at where price levels are right now. True. And and we've talked on this show many times about the, just that, the cost of land being so, you know, the profits that they expected, but um, they're not going to lose their shirts and if they lose some money, it's not the end of the world for them. I wanted to ask you, Doug, because that's a good point. So you you think that there is enough wiggle room in those prices where they can cut deals or lower prices if necessary? Look, I don't think any... I mean, not just Harry's project. I don't I mean, think any veteran developer 
expects to get 4,000 a foot, no negotiation whatsoever. They build in cushions when they do their pro formas. Um, their ideal price point is what it is, but that doesn't mean that they'll get that price. Um, now, boots on the ground, some anecdotal you know, evidence that I have several agents at CORE, um, one of our top agents, um, who just said to me yesterday, she's got about eight buyers and she can't find them anything. So there's still an inventory issue. As much inventory as we're talking about in Manhattan, there's still an inventory issue. Somebody wants a three-bedroom with a home office for $5 million, they can't find it. Mm-hmm. You know, in essence, they're looking for a four-bedroom for $5 million, and they can't find it. They can't find it. No, in- inventory is problematic still in some price point areas, Jeff. Well, it's just we have to remember that New York's market, like any market, is highly segmented. So when we talk about this cooling off at uh, the upper end of the market, we're talking about really at the Uber upper end of the market. There are, I think, right. the latest statistic is there's 117 properties on the market over $20 million right. in New York, or over $30 million, I'm sorry, in New York at the moment. And and certainly that that segment has slowed down. Uh, it, you know, there's a lot going on in the world, and uh, there's capital controls being put in place in several countries. And so, uh, I think it's important when when Doug says, you know, there's a buyer looking for a five million dollar family home with a home office in New York City, and they can't find it. <laughs> it's because nobody's built that for for that type of buyer, and. I think what will be interesting to see as we go forward is whether or not land prices actually come down enough to really serve the market of highly productive, very successful people here who happen to not be ultra-wealthy. Absolutely. They're just wealthy. We're going to talk about the, the other side of the market, the, the resale market, in a minute. But but from your perspective in your business, what do you see the ratio being new condo development to you know resale deals? Is the new, new condo sales still – uh, elevated in comparison? Elevated in <clears throat> velocity? In velocity, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that the the new condo, particularly, look, uh, Street Easy, and I know that that's a topic of great consternation we'll at the moment here in New York City. <laughs> but look, Street Easy, uh, they did uh, their analytic algorithm, forecasted 2017's 10 hottest neighborhoods in New York. And of those 10 hottest neighborhoods, only one of them was in Manhattan. Oh. Six, seven of them, I'm sorry, were in Brooklyn. Okay. Two were in Queens, and one was in Manhattan. So we have to remember, as people get priced out, we're in a very, very dense metropolitan area that is constantly in redevelopment, and we are seeing people push out further and further. So for the brokers out there, uh, I think the answer is you've got you've to redefine your geographic boundaries of where you're willing to work. Let's move on. The Wall Street Journal last week reported Manhattan apartment sales are rebounding after a sluggish last year, 2016, First quarter of this year, 2017, performance was the second strongest for the first quarter since 2008. So last first quarter of 16 was one. This this first quarter is two. I was kind of thrown back with that statistic because 2008 was obviously a financial crisis. Everything sort of was you know up in the air, 2009 and 10. I didn't particularly think that 2017 first quarter would come in at those numbers. Yeah, there are a lot more contracts being signed and a lot more deals being done than end of last year. But wow, that's quite a statistic. Thoughts on that? Well, I can I can tell you that our sales volume for the first quarter is up 26%. Um, it's our best first quarter in the history of the company. Right. So it's that that's significant. Um, I think that's in line with that Wall Street Journal article for sure. We're doing... Um, more volume at lower prices than we were in the past. More volume at lower prices. Yeah, we, we don't have those $25 million, $50 million outliers in this first quarter, um, but we're doing a lot of so volume. So what, what, in your opinion, what is driving that business, Doug, from uh, uh, the best that CORE has had in, in, in many years? What, what, what is making the difference in this first quarter, do you think? I mean, higher volume, yeah, lower price points, but, but what, what's happening? I th- what I think has happened is that um, the first quarter of 2017, sellers have um, become a little bit more realistic with pricing. What I'm seeing, and again, this is you know boots on the ground anecdotal evidence, but what I'm seeing at core is that I have a lot of agents who are the second or third agent to represent a property who are actually selling the property Got because it. the property was so dramatically overpriced a year ago, even 18 months ago, and now they've come down 
to earth and they actually become real sellers. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree with that because we've seen that all over the place. And, and this goes back even in booming markets. If an agent can't, for whatever reason, sell a property and it's mostly due to being overpriced, they lose it. It goes to somebody else and even potentially to a third person. And then by some hook or by crook, the property gets sold. So that's good news for us. Uh, I just wonder what the uh, industry as a whole says about that. Anyway, we're back online. We've got to take a break. You're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. In New York real estate, trust, knowledge, and professionalism are all traits of a great broker. But going beyond the call of duty is really how I win clients. I had clients selling their condo, and it was a huge project. It needed to be emptied, renovated, and redesigned. I oversaw the contractor work, hired the stagers. I managed every detail, and I still sold it in three weeks. Going beyond the call of duty is what I offer and what makes a great broker. I'm Jerry Kendra with CORE, and this is what I do. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. Segment two, Doug Headings from CORE is here, and Jeff Appel, our industry expert and favorite friend, is here. We're going to talk about the Chinese, guys. So the Chinese government has been gearing up for a major crackdown on foreign investment, and in January, those worries became reality as the government imposed exacting new capital controls that required Chinese citizens to disclose the purpose of their foreign investments. In the days that followed, the Chinese were unable to get their money out of China to finance real estate investments in New York, but since January, regulations, local banks are seeing a wave of interest from buyers who want to invest in New York real estate, but whose funds are stuck in mainland China. As a result, the Chinese investment market in New York City, for example, uh, for which for years was defined by splashy all-cash purchases, has morphed into one grounded by more traditional financing. So when we peel that back and we think about you know what this really means, how will our local banks handle this new foreign investor type who, you know, used to come here, didn't care about, you know, any kind of anything. Here's my bundle of cash. Thanks for my condo. I'll see you next time. Not the case anymore or as much anymore. Well, Are sure. we able to finance these people? I think it's difficult. And I think that it's, it's specialized niche in the lending market, which will continue to probably grow to address the demand for that. But, you know, what's interesting about this observation is the foreign investment in New York City in the New York City market, has always been fractional. It's It has not been a big component. However, because of those headline deals, it does create the perception that uh, the entire world is investing in New York City real estate. So the real risk here is, and by the way, uh, you can impose capital controls, and I, look, the world is a, in a, a bit of a state of uh, of adjustment to the, the new stance that our current administration has about how we're going to work with the rest of the world and it, it will adjust and and every you know everybody's going to get along ultimately but there will be more and more of these capital co- controls put in place i think uh, i think that through the eu we're going to see additional pressure on money coming out of uh, out of the eu and the bottom line is money will find its way to wherever it wants to be i think uh, and the lending market will come and address this niche but it's really a perception game, I think, more than anything else, as far as what it means systemically to the real estate market in New York City. And so uh, I think that those headline deals from foreign investors will be replaced by headline deals from you know, uh, domestic entrepreneurs that are doing uh, 
big scale purchases. Have you guys witnessed any any particular change in any of your foreign investors since these regulations in uh, in January? Well, I think that uh, this is a bit of a man bites dog uh, story. <clears throat> like Jeff, I don't think it's that significant. Um, money will find its way to the United States. Uh, you know, just. The details of what happened with with uh, with China is that they used to be able to only send fifty thousand dollars per year per person right. um, to the United States. That has been reduced to twenty nine thousand um, dollars. There's something that is referred to as smurfing, which is how the um, which is how money is often brought into the United States and often through Hong Kong and. What happens is that multiple family members, friends, um, people who are being paid to be in this smurfing environment all pool together and each send a a $29,000 amount to the United States um, on behalf of someone else to get the money to the United States. I've heard stories actually, um, I heard recently a story of someone coming from um, it wasn't an Asian country, but another country with a pocket full of diamonds. They walked right through the airport with millions <laughs> wasn't of dollars. Wasn't there do- a song, a pocket full of diamonds? With <laughs> millions of dollars in diamonds in their pocket. Okay. Came here, cashed in the diamonds, and bought real estate. So you're saying where there's a will, there's a way, right? Well, And the yeah. devil is in the details, as he says. So I do, but I also think to Jeff's point, this is not that large of a component of our market. If anything, and, and by the way, everybody thinks that, you know, a lot of people out in, in the world think that the Chinese are buying 20, 30, 40 million dollar properties. That's not what they're looking for. They're buying one to one and a half million dollar properties. Not anymore. Not anymore. So, so they're savvy, right? And uh, I, I mean, I know that there's a huge rush for Chinese investment in a lot of uh, Queens neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah. Where, for a lot lower absolutely. price point. I mean, where they're buying absolutely rows and rows of houses. Right. Right. And uh, right. multiple, they multiple cash flow. They're you know sure, they're looking sure. for return now as well as appreciation. I have I have a a, a Hong Kong investor who sh- she wants four apartments all around the million dollar mark. Pro- problem is, as Doug said earlier, there is really in in some cases and specifically where she wants to be, not all that much available that she can kind of uh, snap into. I need to ask her about you know these regulations and how that's affecting her. But I wanted to go back to your point. 117 apartments you said before, over $30 million in this town. Who's the audience for that? Who's buying that, those, those $30 million units? Well, everybody, everybody used to say it was the foreign investors. It was the people from Russia, from China, from Hong Kong, from wherever. Yeah, but that's not true. It's not true at no, all. It's that's, not true. That's not true. And there you know, are a few people who have, obviously. But we've not- talked on the show before, uh, Vince, about who these people are, and everybody talks about the billionaire class being fairly limited. And I think I made a point to you that you know a billionaire is a billionaire after they are no longer a millionaire. But Correct. millionaires are people with one million dollars. And millionaires are people with $500 million. You're still not a billionaire. Right. There's a lot of very wealthy millionaires in America in almost every industry. And in this town. And and all of them want a stake in New York City. So I think the bench is probably pretty deep. But but when you have choices and there's no sense of urgency, then you can be more deliberate about what you buy. Well, that's exactly correct. Yeah, you can go look at all 117 properties before you make a decision. <laughs> and we've all slept a broker's dream. To 60, that's a broker's <laughs> dream. But the carrot at the end of that is, well, they, uh, they're going to pull right. the trigger on a $30 million unit, so I'm going to schlep them wherever i got to do you it. You hope, or they'll say to you, well, let's wait and see if more comes on the market. Tell me about Gosh, it. Gosh, I drive the kids to school. I mean, you know, whatever. Whatever you need. Right, exactly. Whatever, you got to do what you got to do, right? Let's move on and talk about Street Easy. And I know this is a touchy subject, but, you know, to get the to get the word out there on, on the street, lots of people have been asking me. The premier agent program, Pay for Play, as I call it, our CEO at Core says, we are not as a company and in line with joining many other companies out there, brokerage firms here, we will not support nor will we endorse the Street Easy Premier program. Okay. Rebney sends a, a note out, you know, uh, last week or the week before saying they are, ex- uh, ex- you know, looking into, you know, this this pay for play or this Premier system. You know, guys, what what is the the 
overall effect of this new program or how is it going to affect agents? Doug, I mean, in our in our particular case, what is this doing for us? I don't think this is about the agents. Um, that's, that's, that's the biggest <clears throat> mistake that we're making is talking about the brokerage community. This is not about the brokerage community. This is about consumer confusion. Correct. And I will tell you, I have received multiple letters. I just got another letter yesterday from a customer of ours who was absolutely thrown back when she arrived at a listing and another mm-hmm. agent met her. She was going to see the listing, thinking that she had spoken to the listing agent. She was going to see the listing. Another agent showed up. She said, oh, you're not the listing agent because we're working with so-and-so at, at this other firm. And he said, oh, no, I'm your buyer's agent. <clears throat> very, very confusing. And she said, well, you're not, I'm not working with you. I want to see the listing with my agent. And, you know, it was complicated. But he was eliminated from the equation. Um, the, the thing that's happening, we're getting, you know, some of my agents have actually called these premier agents. And uh, we had one agent who called the premier agent and asked some questions about the property. And the premier agent who bought the, the opportunity to represent, you know, anybody who called him, spoke as if he had been to the property and even went so far as to start discussing the seller's motivation to sell. You see, I mean, d- didn't, has, doesn't know the seller. Of course not. They I don't mean, have just, a relationship at it, all with it the was seller. Abs- it's, uh, that can, that's not good for the consumer. And all Street Easy has to do is indicate the listing agent and the premier agent if they want to. But it's about selling the space. But it's about selling the space. And, of course, it defeats the purpose if you're going to list both. I personally, you know, encounter that calling, thinking that I'm – until I got smart to it and said, wait wait a minute, this is not the listing agent. I'm also helping my sister buy a house in Westchester, and Realtor.com uh, has the same program. And so you call, and, you know, somewhere buried deep down in the, in the bowels of whatever, you'll find the listing agent information. But half the time I'm calling, and you can tell these are, you know – pay-for-play agents, you ask them about the property, and immediately they stumble, and I think, okay, so this seller is not getting represented well enough, and I can only imagine it gets exaggerated by 10,000 here in New York because we have a whole different you know, emotional marketplace in New York City than anywhere else, so I have to imagine that before this gets settled, if it gets settled, it's going to be a mess. Uh, you know, th- th- there's a precedent for this that's pretty long and deep with companies like Zillow and Trulia and, and others. And, uh, you know, I, I would I would just say that uh, I think if, if, first of all, it's going to be solved by a state-by-state issue. It's That's that's how it's going to have to go. And it's going to be in the courts. And ultimately, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't think it's going anywhere. So I agree. So the real question is, on the firm side, those agents who are participating in programs like this you know, I think that there needs to be uh, uh, some accountability for if you are going to even use your own resources to buy into being a preferred agent or a, a recommended agent, you really have to be better prepared to represent people. And ultimately, I think that, uh, you know, this, like everything else, all change in, in the industry, it will get sorted out, but it's not going to go away. One of the things that never did get sorted out um, before this premier agent program started, uh, Street Easy always had the neighborhood specialist. And I represent a building in Midtown West since, since I sold it from ground up, whatever. And I'm still in that building. And it's it's crazy that every time I look at Street Easy for something with regard to one of my listings or just what's going on in the building, I always get this block of three, four, or five neighborhood specialists. And, you know, we've gotten caught up, my, my business partner and I have gotten caught up many times with people calling us saying, hey, you know, I just got off the phone with somebody who I thought was the listing agent. She or he had no idea what this apartment was about or, or the, the building was about, whatever. Are you the listing agents? So, and I fought with Street Easy, I mean, brutally for years, especially when I was running uh, the, my other company and said, look, you know, this is misrepresentation. Everybody can say they're a neighborhood specialist. That doesn't mean that they're a, that the listing specialist or their own building specialist because they're not. And half the times these agents hadn't even sold in the building. The misnomer here is that the brokerage industry <clears throat> wants to maintain 
control of their listings and not share with the rest of the brokerage community. Well, P.S. Well, well, newsflash, we've been sharing for 25 years. <laughs> exactly. It's not an and, MLS, and, but and, we still and share. And in a nice way, um, right. we have a mutual respect for each other. The, 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 the problem here is that the, the consu- again, it goes back to the consumer. The consumer is unaware that the person they're contacting is not the, the person who knows exactly what's going on with the listing. 98% of our transactions in this industry are broker-to-broker transactions. Absolutely. We're not fighting over the 2% direct deals. That's nonsense. Correct. And that's Street Easy's position. That's absolute nonsense. We're fighting so that our consumer has the option, anecdote, I have a family member who was shopping for property, and I told him about this this premier agent program, and he said, well, that's ridiculous. I don't want to work with, and, and this is a family member. He's like, I don't want a buyer's agent. I want to go straight to the listing agent and cut myself the best deal I can. And I said, well, good luck with that, but that's his option. That's the consumer's option. You know, it, it's, it's, it's it, not about us preserving mm-hmm. You know, our full commission. That's nonsense. Well said, Doug, because it's always been the consumer option, you know, before these programs, during these programs, after these programs, because they're always going to exist. As you said, we share our listings. We're not part of an MLS multiple listing service like the suburbs are or the rest of the country is, but we have systems here in New York, all brokerages do, that share with each other. So if you put something out there, it goes to every other brokerage house and we're fine. All right, we have to take a break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. We're going to talk to Patrick Lilly, Niall Lundgren, and uh, Doug and Jeff will remain. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back, and we're going to talk to Patrick Lilly. He is from CORE, a colleague of mine uh, where we work. He holds a coveted position in the world of New York real estate as not only a top-tier producer but a sought-after expert who has been spotlighted in the bo- in books, media, and seminars, a mainstay in the industry for over 25 years. Patrick has excelled to great heights in his field thanks to his exceptional market knowledge, proven flair for successful deals, and strong relationships with clients and peers alike. His strong uh, sales success has led Patrick to win multiple awards. In addition, he has consistently led his team to be named to the Wall Street Journal's list of top 250 national teams of real estate agents over the past several years where they ranked number 110 in 2012. Patrick also hosts his own podcast called Real Estate Success Rocks. Welcome and good morning. Thanks, Vince. Nice to be here. Well, before we talk about townhouses, tell us a little bit about tell us a little bit about your podcast. Well, I've 
I started my business doing broker-to-broker referrals. So starting out a long time ago when I was with Coldwell Banker, um, I started going to all the national conferences, and then I started speaking at the conferences. And from that, I was able to create a really great network of top-producing agents throughout the country. Um, uh, I was a member of a group called Star Power. Uh, it, uh, it fell apart when the leader of Star Power died, and there was an opportunity to move something from there. So I've created a new network called Real Estate Success Rocks. So we have a yearly conference. This conference this year will be at the Four Seasons in downtown St. Louis in uh, the end of July. But we also do a weekly podcast where we interview top agents on content-specific items. And uh, I have to say, I really enjoy doing it. Agents from around the nation, correct? Yes. Yeah, it's definitely a national agent. And it's interesting. You would think me being in New York, there would be a lot of agents coming from New York, but it tends not to be the case that New York agents aren't as interested in national conferences as, say, I am. Yeah. All right, let's move on. So New York City's luxury apartment market isn't the only sector of real estate experiencing a cool-down as more and more of Manhattan's townhouses spend extended periods of time on the market. It has become obvious that the once overzealous market for pricey homes has taken a back seat. We're going to talk about that. According to a recent report, median prices for Manhattan townhouses took a tumble by more than 5% last year after showing year-over-year increases from 2010 onward. The number of days properties spent on the market averaged 164 in 2016, up by 47% from the previous year. That put the townhouse absorption rate at 16 months, down by about 15% from 2015. Meanwhile, the average listing discount, the difference between the asking and final sale price, tripled to 10.7%, from 15 to 16, reflecting sellers' increased willingness to compromise on prices. Now, Doug mentioned earlier in the luxury condo market that there is some sense of or some feeling of there may be need to compromise on some of these uber-priced apartments. Patrick, in your opinion, what what is going on in the townhouse market? And are these townhouse sellers in line with what this marketplace is about today? Well, um, first of all, it takes longer to sell a townhouse in any market than right. it does to sell a co-op or a condo. So if the average time on market is 45 days in Manhattan for for one of those two elements, then you could almost triple that to, say, the average time on market for a townhouse. So it's going to be always dramatically more. And we've also seen an interesting price lag over the years for townhouses related to co-ops and condos in terms of their relative value. So one of the big pluses for a townhouse is that um, it's less than 1% of all product in, the, in Manhattan, and consequently, it's a, it's a dwindling supply. So if anything, you see more townhouses being torn down to build big condominium projects, then you see new condos, uh, new townhouses being constructed. So overall, un, you know, in Manhattan, there is actually less than uh, uh, 3,600 townhouses, both single family and multi-units on the entire market, which is, which is less than 1%. Therefore, the overall value of townhouses relative to the value of co-ops and condos are going to increase in the long term. Right now, they're not increasing. They're staying on the market longer, and it has to do with a lot of factors. The biggest factor is that there's so much luxury on the market, and and prices got too high, in my opinion. What neighborhoods uh, are are hot, or what's the hottest neighborhood at the moment for townhouses? I mean, they're all over the island, as we all know, including the boroughs, but what's the hottest neighborhood right now? Oh, Greenwich Village is still the hottest. If you get a good listing in Greenwich Village, you can sell, as long as you price it properly, you can sell it within 30 days, and that's only in, in Greenwich Village. The other downtown places do well. The other downtown neighborhoods, like Chelsea, does well, uh, being near Gramercy Park, Soho, Tribeca. If uh, quite a few... Manhattan, no, excuse me, quite a few Brooklyn neighborhoods are doing extremely well. So anywhere from Park Slope all the way into Brooklyn Heights is also really hot in demand because the prices are a lot lower. So what you pay for two and a half, three million dollars for a townhouse in, let's say, Borham Hill or Cobble Gardens, you're going to pay uh, you're going to pay seven to ten million in Manhattan and higher in the village. Who's buying these townhouses at these at these prices? I will tell you, you know, my business partner and I had took a listing on a townhouse, I don't even know anymore, three years ago, and we 
raised the bar on the Upper West Side. There had not been anything, I think, over 14 million, maybe. I, I could get the number wrong. 13 or 14 million. And we put a townhouse out on the market for 17 million. May made quite the splash, lots of buzz. Obviously, from that point on, the prices increased to that neighborhood and, and higher. Um, and we did that a couple of times. But anyway, who you know who is buying these these I would call them ultra luxury homes, just like they're just like an apartment in these price points in all these neighborhoods that you just talked so about. So up to about fifteen million. So anywhere from three million up to fifteen million. We're basically seeing primary residences, individuals with families. For the most part, and the the pe- people are willing to pay more for a single family than they are for a multi-unit house. Now, back in the day, back in the eighties and nineties, it was just reverse. It was all the reverse, yeah, just the reverse. But now that you know families want to be back in New York, we're seeing uh, an increased demand, and the quality of life in a townhouse for a family is very different from the quality of life for a family in a condo or a co-op. They have greater control and less have problems with neighbors because of their kids. So um, um, that's the that's the primary no banging buyer. on the walls and banging <laughs> on the floor, <laughs> except for your own kids. Right above fifteen million, quite often it's not their primary residence. Quite often it's a secondary residence. So I have an amazing house on Prince Street down. Yeah, talk about that, thirty eight Prince Street. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing house. It's on the market for twenty five million, and we had an accepted offer on it for twenty four million. Um, and the seller said. The sell, well, we, they accepted the offer, and, and we were going forward, um, but this was going to be their fifth home, one of five homes that they were only going to spend 30 days a year in that home. Um, so, they're looking at, they have so much money. The ultra they want wealthy, to adopt me? <laughs> the ultra I'll wealthy, take very good care of the house. The ultra-wealthy have so much money that they want to say, where can they put their investments that make sense? So, you were having a conversation earlier about um, getting foreign money into the U.S. right now. It has affected, to some extent, the luxury market, in my opinion, in that before, New York was always considered the safest market in the world Correct. to buy real estate in. Now, with, with this current administration, it's putting some fear into people about whether or not it's still safe. I suspect in the long run it will be safe, but in the interim, while things settle out, it's going to take a while. So, a lot of my European clients are not moving as quickly as they used to look at New York, and some of the markets have dried up because of um, their economies are hurting, and then there's regulations like the ones we're seeing in Russia and China. Let me ask you, because everybody asks me, um, so the celebrities, for the most part, like to buy private homes, single-family homes, townhouses, whatever. Do they concern themselves with the lack of security, lack of amenities, lack of whatever? I mean, why do they more, you know, migrate more to these types of uh, dwellings? Um, it's a couple of different functions. So it's I, I'm not going to n- drop name, but I had a house on 87th Street that we sold, I think, last year. And a very, very famous actress uh, came to see it, and it had a garage. And um, it was interesting because we had another showing lined up right after she was seeing it, and she didn't want to be seen in the property. So she hid in the garage while the next customer came in and then we escorted her out the front door so nobody could see her unbelievable and dealing with a lot of celebrities it's really more about privacy than anything else so one of the problems with condos is that people can see into their units that makes or on their terraces that makes them feel uncomfortable one of the reasons tribeca does so well with celebrities is that you can be more um, uh, anonymous in Tribeca. You can pull up in front of your building and get out. Hopefully, you have a garage. You can do it. That's even better. But being able not to be seen is important to them. And being in buildings with other people is less desirable for them. That's not always the case, but that's quite often the case. And also, you know, uh, you know, top business executives at some of these, you know, Wall Street firms, you know, I, we we have a customer who – won't live in a building, and he he bought a townhouse, and will continue to because he doesn't want to live with other people. I don't necessarily understand what that means to him. Oh, I, but I it's do. It's a privacy kind of thing, and he doesn't want to be walking in and out of of a building, thinking, "Well, I work number two at Goldman or number two at you know whatever." So let me ask you a question, Vince. <clears throat> Where did you grow up? 
I grew up in Westchester in the suburbs here. Okay, so you probably grew up in a single family home. I yes. did. And there's a certain feeling that you, you get when you come home from school, you walk into your front yard, you have your own private space. It gives you a certain perception of reality that's different from going to a private school in New York, coming home, going through your doorman and getting up. It's a totally different feel. And I suspect that quite a few individuals who did not grow up with that really miss it, and that's why they look for single-family homes in Manhattan. Vince, can we just, on, on the, the question of um, you know European <laughs> buyers and foreign buyers maybe taking a pause before they invest in this very, very safe market of ours, <clears throat> we have to keep in mind that many of these purchases are discretionary. Absolutely. And because they're discretionary, there is time to wait and see what happens. And uh, and I think that, you know, for those buyers who take a pause and say, gee, is this really the safe place for me to put my capital? Uh, when they do their due diligence and their introspection and they look at their own backyard, that money's still coming back. There. <laughs> so it's a pause and it may take longer. But in the end, there is no doubt New York is still the safest and, and the greatest opportunity for real estate investment anywhere in the world, there are, bar none. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we see that in all of our business, regardless of the price point. But uh, I think in the townhouse market, Patrick was right. So it might be a little flat at the moment, but there is certainly room for uh, improvement or certainly room for that to to come back again. Um, so the the percentage of listings these days right now, are they increasing or for townhouse listings or are they kind of staying flatline? There, there are more <clears throat> listings on the market than there were two years ago. There's no doubt about that. There's more choices and, and negotiated prices are more flexible. Um, uh, if a really good listing comes on and it's properly priced, it will sell in 30 days and there'll be a great demand for it. But if it's, it's, if it's, at a slightly higher price than what the competing properties are, then it can it'll sit unless there's something really unique or special. All right, about Patrick Lilly from Corey, he'll stay with us. Uh, we're going to come back for our last segment talking about hot topics with all of the gentlemen. Don't go away. We will be right back. The internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. In Manhattan real estate, no deal is ever the same. Different clients have different needs. What always comes back to me though, the number one compliment that I receive is honesty. And really this is what matters the most to me. They feel that I'm their number one advocate. Without honesty, I don't see how you can be successful in this business. I'm Heather McDonough with CORE, and this is what I do. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Thank you for having me on, Austin. All right, everybody, we are back for our last segment. We're going to talk hot topics. We're here with Jeff Appel, Doug Headings, Patrick Lilly, and Niall Lundgren from Compass, who's been sitting patiently waiting as we banter on and on. So let's get to it. All too often, real estate agents are missing out on important personal or family time to work with clients. This doesn't always happen because work needs to get done, but because agents are not in control of scheduling. Scheduling is always a nightmare. Controlling your calendar will help increase your income and create harmony between work and personal life, thus helping you build a better business and a life and life in life and, and have a better one. How important is your calendar to you and how are you mindful of making a better personal life for yourself or not? I mean, a lot of us run around all 
with our calendars and our phones and our hand and our papers and our listings and our whatever. But are we really focused on me? Are we really focused on our families are focused on making us a better life for us and them, or is it just business, business, business? And the reason I ask that, because all of you are in this business, this is an all-consuming business. I'd say that no matter what, if you join and you get into real estate, you're in a 24-7 business. No Absolutely. Matter what, especially if we're talking about foreign clients. You know, you're having conference calls at 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night, 6 a.m. So you, you can't skirt around that fact. Right. Um, in terms of calendar management, I think that's probably one of the most important things that any agent um, or anybody in real estate could could do. Actually, uh, I, I literally spent last night planning out my uh, next 12 months. You, know, you have to have every. You know, I'm in a, I'm at the age where good I have, luck with that. Yeah, well, I have a lot of. <laughs> I'm in a lot of weddings. I'm kind of at that age where all this is going uh-huh. down. So I have to really map out every single weekend. All right, when am I going to be available? And then, you know, you work on scheduling. You try and get the clients, you know, that you're working with to, to work with you on those, those vacant, you know, pockets that you can carve out. Um, and it, it's not easy for sure. And you have to have support. That's why you see, you know, an increase in teams where it's not just, you know, one person running around and managing the listing and buyers, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's something that is becoming more popular. And I have, you know, folks that I partner with and if I'm gone, I'm like, hey, you know, we work out a deal and you take this client over, et cetera. But um, in general, you know, the calendar management, I mean, if I get, a, you know, an inquiry immediately goes into Gmail. Immediately. I remember in my corporate days, we used to call it time management, and there's nothing worse than being a poor time manager because, especially in real estate, you know, you've got to juggle not only your own stuff in your own life, but your client's stuff and the other agent's stuff and, and you know, the company's stuff and foreign foreign clients that you're talking to, you know, in the middle of the night, whatever. So it's not only about your stuff, it's always about everybody else's as well. So. So it's I, hard. for me, I'm really adamant about this. There are, I'm a lot older <clears throat> than everybody else here. So I've been doing this a lot, a lot older than everybody else. <laughs> I had to take some Geritol to get here today. For once I'm not the <laughs> oldest person in the room. Exactly. Isn't that something? Wow. So there's two elements here. First, the element is managing your client's expectations. If your clients, if, if your clients expect you to return their call at 8 o'clock at night and you return their call, they have trained you what to do. If you let them know that you'll be returning their call after 6 p.m. at the next morning, they, as long as they're aware that that's how you do business, they'll be fine. You do not expect your doctor's office to be open at 8 p.m. at night. Why do you expect me to be open at 8 p.m. at night? And why would I allow my life? from everybody else's demands. So if I don't manage expectations of my clients and my team and other brokers, then I'm going to be leaving a reactive life. And a reactive life is not a productive life, and it's one of chaos. And, 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 and you want to be proactive and create your schedule. So, so one of the things that we do in business, especially in real estate, is lead generation. And, and that means for me making phone calls. And I have to put in my schedule a specific time, it's often called an hour of power each day, where I'll make phone calls to my circle of influence. And that's a sacred element on my calendar in that if um, somebody wants to make an appointment during that time frame, we just say, I'm not available. Are you available at this time frame? It is sacred to the health of my well-being and my business. People sometimes have a hard time saying to a client, oh, I can't do it then, but I can do it at this time they, for fear that they're going to lose the the the, pay, the, the client or, or the time that the client has. Just push back a little bit. It, it, it does work. You use the magic word fear. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you're doing anything motivated by fear, you're doing the wrong thing. Um, I just finished a book, an awesome book. I would recommend everyone read it. Greg McCown. It's a New York Times bed's bestseller. Um, it's called Essentialism. It's great. It's, it's great. Fantastic. It's all about doing less but better. And it's not about eliminating things from your life. It's about considering everything in your life and choosing, prioritizing, and doing the things that are going to make you most productive and most valuable, not just at work, but in your personal life. For instance, if I have a project that I have to do at work, similar to what Patrick's talking, I have an hour where I've dedicated time to call all of my agents at CORE and ask them how they're doing 
ask them if they've worked with any brokers that they think would make great colleagues to, to sit beside them in the office. Um, that's a sacred hour. And I, I use that time for, for that. Similarly, on my pers- in my personal life, if I'm driving my daughter or if I'm driving my daughter to soccer practice one evening, she puts her phone down. I'm obviously driving, so I don't have a phone. And we listen to music and we chat about her day, about my day. And I'm there. It's mindfulness. About, it's about being Presence. where you are, the Presence. power of now. There's another, there's another great book along that um, uh, by Gary Keller and Jay Pappas called The One Thing. And it's about and, uh, focusing on the focus. one thing that you need to do today to get your life going the direction of the goals you need for your business. Because it's not the, the 80% we do in the day. It's the 20% that we do in the day that's really effective. Um, and so I couldn't agree more with uh, – what's your name again? I think that all of this advice is great. It's it's wisdom and advice. And if I were to add anything, I would just simply say that you know to be successful in anything, it requires talent and it requires drive and ambition. And I think that we need to be mindful that um, when we get ahead of ourselves or when we get ourselves so busy that we're no longer that talented unique individual, um, that's what leads to people having valleys in their business. When they say, gee, I have no business, what's going on? And they start operating out of fear. It's because that essential sort of spark, they blew it out. And so keeping that balance is critical because it does allow you to be present and it allows you to be present with that talent, that unique quality that got you the success and brought you the business in the first place. I will also add that it reflects on your on your client base as well. When they see that you are focused and that you are centered and that you are, you know, a lot of things, it equals credible and it equals, you know, um, success and professional. Because what what I've always tried to keep from clients is, you know, a scattered kind of approach. Because if they think that you are out of your mind, then for sure, they're going to say, well, how are we going to successfully buy real estate? Correct? It just doesn't work that way. 100%. And even back to corporate days, it was the same thing. You've got to always you know, present your best foot forward. But I like, Patrick, what you said, the hour of power. And I think if the, the, the message out of this last segment today on this program is to take that hour, find that hour, and everybody does it differently. Maybe it's in the morning. Maybe it's in the middle of the afternoon when you can find that hour. Maybe it's at the end of the day. Maybe it's before you go to sleep. But find that hour of power to, um, I'm going to use that now. I really love that, to, <laughs> to focus on what it is you need, to, to refocus, to rekindle, to light that, that flame again, uh, or to make your calls or to do whatever it is you have to do to get your stuff and your message out there. Anyway, thanks to Jeff, thanks to Doug, thanks to Patrick, thanks to Niall as always. It's been a fast hour. I don't know where the hour goes. I'm out of time. That's our show for today. Thanks to my guest and the panel as always. Good morning, New York. We'll be back next week. Please be kind to one another for all of us at Voice America all around the world. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.